Well, yes, it is Father's Day. Welcome to church on Father's Day. Um, I thought we would start today by looking at a job description of a father. Okay? So, um, the father's job description has a lot of different aspects to it. Um, I've got some of these off the internet. I made some of them up myself, so I'm citing my sources. So if it's on the internet, it must be true, right? Uh, First, uh, a father is a cheerleader. Uh, Dad will strive to be available for, present at, and loudly cheering during sports, music, dance, and other performances beginning at birth and throughout the lifetime of the child. Um, Next, energy conservationist. Dad will ensure that all lights, faucets, and windows are appropriately off or closed when the child is unable or unwilling to do so in order to conserve money for food and clothing. Uh, Waste management specialist. Dad will be willing to handle the dirtiest of diapers and as child grows, handle all nasty jobs that might arise. A style magnet. Uh, Dad will not shop at expensive clothing stores like his daughters do. Instead, to pay for his kids' clothes, he will ensure that he wears everything for at least 10 years, um, or at least until it is way out of style. Um, Practical plumber. Dad will learn to use uh, the plunger uh, when toilet clogs occur, will understand how to pull long hair out of the bathroom sink, and will stop leaking pipes. Uh, Dad should also strive to use those same skills to repair yard sprinklers uh, that have been run over by teenage drivers. Um, Humble auto enthusiast. Dad will replace love of all things cool for all things practical. Uh, in the automotive industry. Minivans will be the new Porsche uh, to the dad mindset in order to appreciate and praise the type of vehicle that can actually get the family over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house. Uh, A handyman. Dad must be willing to fix or try to fix almost anything, anytime, anywhere. Dad may consult YouTube for demonstration videos as necessary, uh, including toys and furniture uh, that was made as cheaply as possible. Right? And the instructions are always in, they were never written by an English speaker, right? Like, it's like, what are they even trying to say here on how this thing goes together? Uh, Tech guy. Dad will be ready to handle all tech-related issues, uh, ranging from remote operation to battery replacement in toys. uh, And fixing the internet is a must, right? Uh, product tester. All new toys must be tested for quality assurance. Um, an entertainer, entertainer. Dad must make sure family is enjoying life and having quality time and fun together. Uh, the gatekeeper. Dad must determine what young man or young woman will be let into his daughter or son's life. Uh, Dad must always interview said person before any date occurs with his teen. Uh, And you may find yourself giving dating advice when you don't want to give your blessing. Uh, Casual coach. Coaching is an ongoing priority for Dad, starting with potty training and continuing with teaching his child to swim, throw a ball, ride a bike, and drive. Dad must coach his kids uh, in basic manners and how to treat others with honor and respect. Counselor. Dad must be willing to listen. Um, about and not always fix the challenges or problems in a child's life, particularly as the child gets older. 
Siri, uh, Dad must be ready uh, in real time to answer all questions ranging from infamous, the infamous why to where do babies come from. Uh, provider, Dad must be willing to make sure all needs are met, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And then protector, Dad must be ready to fend off all threats starting with the monster under the bed and going on from there. If I'm honest, that last one is probably the hardest one, right? As a father, I want to protect my family. I want to protect my son. I want to protect my wife. I want to protect our our daughter that is on the way. And so if if we continue in our honesty from there, um, that is the one that we will admit that uh, there's just certain things that we cannot protect our family from. There are things that are out of our control, and we don't like that. Um, as much as we might want to protect and to guard, there's things that we just do not have the power to be able to guard. And so, um, today we're going to look at Um, a passage in Scripture uh, in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 22. In my Bible, that's on page 865, which will be totally different from your Bible, so I hope that helps you out. Um, But yeah, Luke 8, starting in in verse 22, and we're going to cover some ground today. Uh, We're going to hit several passages. This is one of those times where instead of really digging into one passage to fully unpack it, we're going to look at a broader uh, section of scripture so we can get the bigger picture of what's trying to be conveyed. And, uh, and so I think what we're, we'll see today is the fact that Jesus is the one who can handle those things that are out of our control. And I think this is applicable to us whether we're a father or not. Um, I see plenty of mothers in here, um, plenty of mothers who wish that the, the husband and father um, in the picture were here with them. Um, And so I know that messages like this can be challenging uh, for some of you guys, but I just pray that it will be encouraging to you, um, looking at uh, even maybe in some of that void in your life uh, where the husband and father maybe isn't doing all those things, which if we try to do all those things, we're going to fail at some of them. Obviously, it's a pretty exhaustive list, right? Um, But uh, just to encourage you that uh, Jesus is there. And he is um, the provider and the protector um, who can take care of you and your family. So, let's look at this. So, Luke chapter 8, verse 22. One day he, that being Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling uh, with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased. And there was a calm. And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this? that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him. And so this is uh, the first area where we see that Jesus 
can protect. Jesus has authority even over nature, even over natural disasters, even over the worst things that that we can imagine happen, even over flooding in a lake. Jesus has authority over that, um, which is is great, great news. Um, There's a a video that's floating around uh, the internet now um, of this little kid playing in a pool um, and it's in one of those little floaty things, you know, where you sit them in the ring and the, their legs are down below. And the kid flips over in the pool um, and his parents aren't around. And you just see his legs just like doing like this up out of the water. Um, and slowly they get slower and slower. And then his parents run in and pull him out and the kid's okay, thank goodness. That's like the worst nightmare of every parent, right? Is that your kid would drown or, or something like that. Things that, that are out of your control, even things um, that you can't handle, that you can't necessarily always be there and always protect your child from. So for fathers, this is a hard thing for us in, in learning that there's limitations as much as we want to protect. I'm pretty sure I can handle um, the monsters under the bed, but, uh, but when the real issues happen and when things that are out of my control happen, that's a scary thought. But I can rest assured in the fact that the Jesus that I know has authority even over those things. He has authority over the storms in our life. He can take care of those things. He can bring peace. Um, He can bring protection in those times. And we can have faith in that. And that's what he questioned his disciples on. He's like, why are you freaking out? I'm right here. I'm right here. Where's your faith? You just need to believe. You just need to believe that I can handle this. Well, then it goes on. And then they sailed uh, to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, uh, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. Uh, When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. But he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank and into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and the country. The people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid, and those who had seen it told told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. 
And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus has authority over spiritual forces. Things that maybe we don't, we're not even aware of. Things we can't fully grasp how they all work. But Jesus has full authority. In the past, as in other passages in Luke, we've already uh, dealt with the demons and, and the demonic in more detail. Um, so I'm not going to do an exhaustive treatment of that this morning. But it should suffice for us to say that this kind of threat is nothing for Jesus. Do you notice the response of the people of the city? They were scared. They were scared. Some people read this passage and they think, oh, they asked Jesus to, to leave because the, you know, the, the herd of pigs was gone, right? The pigs died. That wasn't why they asked Jesus to leave. They asked him to leave because they were scared. They saw the intense power and authority that this man had. They knew this guy. They were the ones that had tried to wrap him up in chains and tie him down to stop him from tormenting everyone and doing horrible things. And now here he was in his right mind, sitting there clothed and sitting listening to Jesus teach. And so they knew the demon. And that's what they were used to. But the authority of one that could even take care of that and drive that out is what scared them to death. And so they asked him to leave because they couldn't handle Jesus' power and his authority. And the fact that he can protect even from the demonic, even from spiritual forces, he has authority even over that. What goes on in verse 40? Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. Um, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. There was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. Um, I, uh, one time I heard a lady talking about this passage and hearing her reflect on what it would have been like to be this woman really opened my eyes to a whole new side of this passage. Um, in this culture, uh, they lived under the law. Um, under the law, if you were bleeding in any way, you were considered unclean. Um, if you were unclean, no one would touch you. Um, so for 12 years, this woman has been ostracized from society. Um, she is destitute because all of her possessions have been spent on trying to take care of this ailment. Um, and she's been in this sick state for that long. Um, it's, it's pretty pretty miserable thing to think about. But ladies, just think about if for 12 years you had no physical touch with anyone because they considered you unclean and unworthy and in some way you would corrupt them if they just touched you. Well, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. She's just desiring that touch but she's desiring even more to be healed. 
And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. She doesn't even ask Jesus. He doesn't even tell her. He doesn't command anything. He doesn't do anything. It's just her faith in him coming and touching his garment and she is healed. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. He's like, um, Jesus, kind of crowded here. A lot of people bumping into each other. Like, you, you got a bubble issue going on here. Like, why are you so worried about somebody touching you, Jesus? Um, but Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that the power has gone out from me. And the woman saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling and falling down before him declaring in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. And now she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Jesus has authority even over sickness and health. This can be one of the scariest things for a parent, for fathers and for mothers. It's when your little ones are sick, when your children have an ailment, my life, this has been very fresh lately, as my wife's health at the beginning of this pregnancy was really not doing well, and it was something that was completely out of my control. I wanted to protect, I want to protect her, I want to protect our unborn child inside of her, but there's nothing I could do. It's completely out of my control. I can't make livers function the way that they're supposed to, as much as I might want to doesn't work that way. But there is one who can, and that's Jesus. So it's been a reminder to me that as much as I want to protect my family, I have to rely on him, and I have to rest insured in him. And thankfully, he has answered prayers. Many of you have prayed for her. Many other people have prayed for her. And her health is, has made a turn for the, for the better. And we see that as nothing more than, than him working. The doctors are looking at her case and they're saying, there's not really an explanation of why you're doing so much better. And we're like, well, there is. His name's Jesus. He can heal. He has authority even over sickness and over health. To the point that a woman that has been sick for this long with every medical treatment possible, has failed. Simply having faith in him and touching his cloak, the corner of his garment, she is healed because of his authority and because of the fact that he can protect even from sickness. Well, then it goes on in verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Remember, he's on the way to Jairus' house to take care of healing his only daughter. When this woman interrupts, and now they show up saying, Jairus, your daughter is dead. Daughter was 12 years old. The woman had been bleeding for 12 years. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear. 
Only believe. And she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Jesus has authority even over life and death. One of the greatest fears for a parent is losing a child. I've seen parents that have gone through this where their whole lives, the rest of their life is changed by it. It's just a cloud that hangs over them. My parents went through this with my brother um, who passed away. So I've seen this firsthand and the, the pain um, that stems from this and uh, the mourning. Parents don't want to bury their kids. Fathers don't want to bury their children. We want to protect them. We want to stand guard over them. But there are things that are out of our control. But they're not out of Jesus' control. He can handle even those things. Because he has authority over life and death. And this is why he came. It wasn't just to heal some people then and there in that time. It wasn't just to show us how great he is. But he came to lay down his life for us. So that we can be forgiven. Because the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So because of the sin in our life, fathers, we deserve death. Because of the sin in our life that we pass on to our children, they deserve death. But the great news is the fact that Jesus came and he never sinned. And yet he paid the punishment for sin, dying on a cross, so that we could be forgiven. So that he can take our sin upon himself. And in exchange for that, give us his righteousness. So that when we stand before God, we will not be found guilty. But he will say, enter into my rest. For his children, for those who are his Because he is the perfect heavenly father. He's the only father who gets it right 100% of the time. The rest of us, we fail. But he doesn't. He gets it right. And we can trust him in that. So my question for you today is what's your response to Jesus? Are you like the crowd That when you're confronted with the reality of who he is and the power that he has and the authority that he has, does that just scare you too much? 
And you say, I don't want anything to do with that. That's too much for me. Or, you like the woman who says, I'm broken. I need healing. I need a protector. I need a provider. I need someone who will not disappoint. And Jesus, I know that is you. So will you come and be the Lord of my life? I'm yours. Forgive me. Make me right with you. I hope you're in the second one. And then fathers, especially today, and mothers, you can tag along in this. Are you directing your children to the fact that Jesus is the only one? That he is the only way? Because when we know him as our Lord and Savior, and he calls us to point others to him as well, where better to start than in our own homes, in our own families, with our own children? Because as much as we love them, as much as we want to protect them from all dangers, we know that we can't. So we have to trust him in that. And in trusting him, we need to teach them to trust him as well and point them to Jesus because he is the only one who will never fail them. We will. You know, happy thoughts at Potter's house today. Fathers, you're going to fail, but Jesus won't. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that Jesus is the ultimate provider, the ultimate protector, that all these things that are completely out of our control, you have in the palm of your hand. You can take those things and you, you control them. Lord, we don't always understand why some things happen, why you allow some things. But Lord, we know that you are good. We know that you love us that you work even through those hard things. So God, I pray for anyone here who's not trusted you as their Lord and Savior. Pray that you will draw them to yourself, that maybe this morning before leaving this place, they will respond to the gospel. They'll say, yes, Jesus, I need you. For all of us who are parents, especially for the fathers here today, Lord, let us model and show what it looks like to be someone who follows you. As we're an example for our kids, let us be a good example, an example that points them to you and the reality of who you are. And I pray all this in the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.